as you become more balanced through different exercises and through different intervals, your skills will improve just from the sheer ability of being able to be in what I call the hip hinge and what's known as the hip hinge, not just by me, because it gets you out of the saddle. It helps you with being in the saddle with confidence and control where you're able to move the bike underneath of you better. And so all of those help you with handling slower moves where you're in technical terrain. It helps you with being able to go downhill with more confidence and also being able, one of my clients today, she said, I just feel like I'm attacking the hills a lot more confidently that I know I can make it up. And that's, and she, she just finished a race where this past weekend, she, they do a gravel race, but they have a lot of single track with it too. And so she's riding a gravel bike on single track. And she goes, I don't think I would have been able to do all of the technical broody rocky sections of the trail on my gravel bike if I hadn't felt more balanced from our exercises. Welcome to the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gross, Ironman champion, PhD in women's history, and founder and CEO of Feisty Media. I started this show because I wanted to cut through the BS of diet culture and fitness culture and actually learn from high achieving women at the top of their game who have figured out how to feel and perform their best at every stage of life. So I chat with experts, elite athletes and leaders who have learned to succeed despite the massive gender data gap in exercise and medical science and product development. Every episode is filled with information, advice, and anecdotes that will help you fulfill your potential as an athlete, mom, leader, or business owner. And listen up, if you don't subscribe to our women's performance newsletter, you are definitely missing out. It's totally free. So head over to womensperformance.com and subscribe now. That's womensperformance.com. This podcast is a production of Feisty Media. Hey, Feisties. Welcome to episode, I believe we're on 17 of our Women's Performance Podcast. Thank you so much for being with us today. I'm actually in Hawaii today and I have my portable microphone. So if you notice a slight difference in the sound quality between this and the interview that I'm about to tell you about, that is why. And if you hear the waves outside, sorry, not sorry, but um, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, before we start, I want to say a massive thank you and give a shout out to our sponsors. Um, Inside Tracker has been with us with Feisty for almost two years and sponsor um, almost everything that we do. So we're so grateful for Inside Tracker. If you're Inside Tracker curious, you want to get your blood tests and get some numbers back and see where you're at, definitely use our code, which which will be attached in the show notes. Of course, Apre Delight, my fave CBD intimacy oil, um, which I have talked about in the past, and Fuel an app that we will learn about more in a few weeks when we chat with Elizabeth Impine. And this week, we have a fun new project that we've been working on at Feisty with our new producer, Millie, who's put together a nine-part series about Title IX and the effects that Title IX had on women's sports. For anyone who doesn't know, Title IX was a law that passed in 1972 in the U.S. that prohibited discrimination based on gender in any organization that was funded, government funded, and 
any educational program, sorry, that was government funded. So that include, includes high schools and colleges, and it had a massive effect on college sport and the way that money was spent on college sport. And of course, it went to some degree, to some degree towards equalizing the money spent on women's sports to men's sports, especially in the university setting, which as we know, as a Canadian, it's kind of mind blowing, but how much money is really spent on sport in the US in the college system is amazing. And the opportunities there are amazing. So in any case, we got together with seven of our podcast hosts came together and we each interviewed someone who was either who was related to Title IX in some way. Either they were around and an athlete at the time, um, or they were involved in changing the law, or they are an athletic director now who sees, who has seen the long-term change of Title IX. And then, of course, we um, also talk about some of the limitations of the law as well. One of our interviews that Haley Chura is doing is with Wendy Mink, who is the daughter of Patsy Mink, who was not only the first woman of color to be in Congress, but also was the co-author of Title IX. Um, we're talking, Sarah True is talking to Joan Benoit, who was the first um, women's marathon Olympic champion. I talked to Bobby Gibb, who was the first woman to run the Boston Marathon the year before Catherine Switzer ran and famously Jock Semple tried to pull her off the course. The year before that, Bobby Gibb went and ran and she told me some fantastic stories. So those are just three of the fantastic interviews that we have coming up. If you can't tell, I'm kind of excited about this project. Anyway, the Nine Voices for Title IX is what the podcast is called. It's a series of nine, and it's going to drop right here on the Women's Performance Podcast feed. So if you don't subscribe and you're listening, go ahead and subscribe to the Women's Performance Podcast, and then you'll just get those. Those nine episodes will come. We will keep doing the normal podcast, the Women's Performance Podcast, every week, and then also um, on a different day of the week. <laughs> I can't remember what day. You will also get to listen to Title to Nine. It's called Nine, Nine Voices for Title Nine. But for today, I have a great interview for you with Liz Kosh. Liz spoke at our Women's Performance Summit earlier in the year, and she had great insight into efficiency of movement for sport and seemed to kind of just see things differently to other physiotherapists that I've talked to or seen. So I wanted to get her on the show. Um, she's just an amazing all-around athlete. She was a division one soccer player turned whitewater kayaker turned mountain biker. And she got originally got a degree in engineering before finding her love of helping others as a physiotherapist. She's also a coach who uses her physio knowledge to help cyclists excel. So today, Liz and I talk about how we are probably all doing our core exercises wrong and how we do them right, the problems she tends to see with women specifically, how she helps her athletes understand the why behind their training, and also how to assess what types of pain are good to feel during exercise and what pains mean we are not efficient in our movements. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. 
My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow. Shout out to Team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect. And I was able to choose how much stuffing I wanted in it, which is super important to me because I'm doing a decent amount of CrossFit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky. So having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night. And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% Mulberry Silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two-minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match and then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are so excited to be working with Hedas. Hedas designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedas unlocks the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research, creates better shoes for women that support their longevity and performance, and establishes new design standards to promote transparency in a male biased industry. Hedas have a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and to allow for female toe shape, a special kind of plate in the midsole to keep tired legs going, a narrow heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take the pressure off our Achilles, and a rounded instep to create a snug fit. Hedas has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've personally been running in the Alma Cruise and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedas at Hedas.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's FEISTY20 at Hedas.com and it will all be in the show notes. As a lifelong runner and triathlete turned CrossFitter, I am stoked to announce that the athletic eyewear brand Tifosi Optics has joined us as a partner here at Feisty Media. Tifosi sports glasses hit all the marks for athletes. They're shatterproof poly bicarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance, which I 100% need. They stay in place when you are moving. The hydrophilic rubber nose pads actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they are secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in hot conditions. 
No matter what sport you do, Tofosi has shades for you. Whether you love tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, or just hanging out on the beach. They are super reasonably priced, which I love, so I can have multiple pairs that go with any outfit. And of course, feisty listeners get a special discount. So head on over to tofosioptics.com and use the code FM20. FM as in feisty media to get 20% off your order. That's FM20 at tofosioptics.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. Hey, Liz, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Sarah. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I was so excited to talk to you just now. I, I had to say, stop our conversation and say, hey, let's start recording because <laughs> your, your background, like both your educational background and your sports background is just, are just sort of blowing my mind right now. Um, everything from like mountain biking, soccer, professional whitewater kayaking, and then physical therapy plus being an engineer. So I just kind of want to unpack this a little bit um, so our audience can hear it too. So let's hear about your story. Like you, did you grow up playing sports? I did. I grew up playing sports. I grew up whitewater kayaking a lot. I kind of, so before that, my mom and dad, they took us whitewater paddling a lot. Mm. And I was in my dad, mom and dad's canoe with them, whitewater paddling. Then I was with, there with just my dad. And when I was nine, I decided I wanted to be in my own craft. And that's when I started kayaking because I wanted to go where I wanted to go on the river. <laughs> so there you are, like a nine-year-old taking on like rapids and stuff in your own yeah. kayak. <laughs> that's amazing. Where did you live to do that? <laughs> Western Kentucky. So I learned to ride in a car for long distances at a very young age, like my water was about five hours away from where I lived unless it rained and then it was two and a half. So it wasn't something that we were able to do all the time. It was kind mm. of a special thing. We try to go at least once a month and the summer was more. That's wild. Okay. But you eventually in university became a division one soccer player. So what's, I mean, I know you just don't show up and turn into a division one soccer player. There must've been some <laughs> soccer in your background. There definitely was a lot of soccer. <laughs> No, I had it in my brain whenever I was, I think it was in elementary school. I was like, I'm going to be an Olympic athlete. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going to do. And I, in my little analytical brain that I have, I kind of divided all the things that I could potentially do to become an Olympic athlete. I was like, you know what? I think soccer's it. I'm going to become an Olympian in soccer. To do that, I need to go and get a scholarship for soccer. And to do that, I need to do, and I had this all divvied out and everything. So I played club. Of course, I, I did try to play basketball too, but I didn't make my sixth grade team. <laughs> they cut me from tryouts for my sixth grade basketball team. <laughs> Apparently my hand-eye coordination wasn't quite as good. Right. As you stick to the feet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So how old were you when you had this, when you concocted this plan of like getting to the Olympics? I think I was like fifth grade, sixth grade, maybe. (laughs) I was that kid too, by the way. Like, and I definitely, like, it was definitely about the Olympics for me too, um, because that's when we saw 
women playing sport on TV. Yeah. It was like, that was the big show that you could be on. Um, obviously I didn't make it that far, which is fine. I love the the path that I've taken, Yeah, but yes, it definitely made me more determined. I played club soccer. We traveled a lot <laughs> and bless my parents for traveling me all over the place. Wow. And then, okay. I want to stick on the sport thing for a minute, just, just to understand that part of your journey. And then it will go to your educational journey. But you also said you became uh, a professional white water kayaker at some point. Yeah. So I, after, so I played just two years in college, I had some major injuries and a pretty big digestive issue that popped up that kind of kicked my soccer career in its butt and my ankles and all that stuff were, they made it not possible to continue to play. And it wasn't wise for my body. Right. Is that when you gave up on the Olympic dream or had you already kind of thought? I think that I'd already given up on it. Okay. At that time. okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Unfortunately, but I still wanted to have fun. I played two years in college before I, before I had to quit. And when you quit playing sports and that's your scholarship, then, uh, they also take away that as well. Right. The monies. Yeah. Yes. They take away your money. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I transferred school back to in-state and finished up my engineering degree there. And I also reinvigorated some of my whitewater kayaking because that kind of took a backseat to my, to my soccer whenever I was working on my, working on my skills, working on scholarships, working on getting better in that. I kind of zoned in. And so I reinvigorated my love for whitewater kayaking. After I graduated, I did, I competed a little bit in freestyle, which is where you like surf different features and different rivers and do different flips and other tricks and stuff like that. Have you ever seen somebody do a front flip in a kayak? No, I've done like, I don't, I can't even picture. Okay. So I did kayaking as a kid quite a lot at summer camp. Right. So the only thing I know is like doing a full roll. Yeah. So what you do is like you, you pin in the front of your boat, the bow of your boat, and that buoyancy that that comes back up, you use that energy to do a front flip, basically. And then you catch your this back end of your boat around on the current that's coming back through, and that lands you back in upright position. Okay, that's insane. Okay, do you have to be in a the moving river to do that? Or can you do it like on a lake, just flat and you just do, you just do a full. So you can do it on a lake. <laughs> it's a lot easier to do it. Surfing a feature, like a hole is what they call it. Okay. Wow. I didn't even know that was possible. That's really cool. How long did you do that for? Um, I just did one season of competition and then I've competed a little bit after that, but it wasn't, wasn't a ton. It was just kind of like, as I was coming back in my, my now husband and I had just moved into a van together. This was a while ago. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a good test for any relationship. Yeah. Especially since we've been only were, we'd only been dating for like a month and a half before that. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> that obviously worked out for you. So it worked out great. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so we went just traveling to the different competitions because they go from like river to river. Wow. I, I just moved into a new home and it's co- kind of near the water. Like it's just through a park and steps down. I was thinking of getting a paddleboard. It's like in the yeah. inner harbor here in Victoria or a kayak. But now I'm like, 
I have a whole other level of <laughs> thoughts about kayaking. Like, oh, my kayaking will be so boring. I'll just get now. You just paddle do what around. you want to do with it. <laughs> totally, totally. Although that has inspired me, I have to say. Um, okay, so you were doing your first degree was in engineering. Mm-hmm. Yep. So my mindset was, I like science and math. I'm going to get something that goes with that, and that I can probably get a job with afterwards. Right. It's good thinking. It's good practical thinking. Practical thinking. However, I graduated the recession and I couldn't get a job. I ended up working retail with my engineering degree. Whoa. (laughs) Yeah. Talk about like blow. So I had, was paying back my student loans as I was working in as a retail associate. Wow. Okay. And did you ever work as an engineer? I never did. You never did. So when did you start taking this path towards your doctorate in physical therapy? So my husband says that I told him whenever we started dating, that I wanted to become a PT before I was even graduated. It like had my engineering degree. Oh, interesting. Which is, I could see where you could th- say that because it was always on a back burner. I took some extra classes just in case that I want to do that. My mom's a PT. And so she kind of died that. And I really liked how she knew a lot about the body. And I really liked how she could help a lot of people because we, my dad's a doctor medical doctor and my mom's a PT. So we'd randomly have friends that would come over to the house in the evening to get seen here and there. Hey, I have this wrong. Can I come by? Hey, I have this wrong. Can I come by? So I really liked how they could help people. Mm-hmm. And so I was looking at my options when I had applied for a lot of jobs and I got maybe two interviews. Mm-hmm. Well, can I always make this happen? And I go back to school for PT. Mm-hmm. And that's what the decision was made to do. So I applied waitlisted first, then got in about a month before school started. We had to make some hot moves then. Wow. Okay. Okay. So you're heading down this path of being a physical therapist. When did you take up mountain biking in this whole? So I also growing up, I, I mountain biked whenever I was growing up as well. Okay. So on our kayaking trips, we'd bring the bikes as well. Bless my parents for packing all of that gear into like a minivan. They'd have to drive around the block to get the the airbags to kick in and load before they could load the kids up in there. <laughs> this sounds like an amazing upbringing. My, my, <laughs> my poor daughter's growing up as like the, the sidekick to an entrepreneur who works all the time. Like, oh, maybe we should get a van. You know? <laughs> Go get a van. <laughs> Have fun. Exactly. Um, so I had that, I had that bike for a while and it, with bike technology, I'm sure you're aware that it outdates itself very quickly. And mm-hmm. so in college, I needed a new bike, but I couldn't afford one. And after working as a, as a PT for about a year, I had saved that money to buy a nicer bike then. And I'd been just chalking away money here and there. And then one, one day I was like, I'm going to go buy a mountain bike to my husband. He was like, you're going to buy a mountain bike? I'm like, yeah, I want to buy a bike. I want to ride again. And literally that next, either that day or the next day, I went to a shop and I bought a bike. Wow. (laughs) And it just went head over heels back into it and just started exploring a little bit more. So, and the reason why, I mean, I were a little bit all over the place, but I just like, I love your story. You're so highly educated. You've obviously done tons and tons of sport. And I just, where does that passion come from for helping others through movement? Cause I know that's really what you're all about now. So like, how did that passion kind of spark for helping others? So I was 
a fairly uh, obviously active and also probably a little bit accident prone kid mm-hmm. and into college. And I had a lot of injuries. And so I was in the training room all the time whenever I was in playing soccer in college. I've had numerous things go wrong prior to my body. And I knew there was a lot of things that I felt very blessed with that my mom was a PT because she could help me and see me then and guide. And then that other, other kids didn't have and other people don't have. And that kind of, there's so many people that I've talked to even now, they're like, Oh, I never knew that. I never knew that that. And that's like one of the pieces of their puzzle that they needed to help themselves. Right. And I think that's really big impacts of like a lot of the information should be more mainstream. Mm -hmm. It should be there. There's people, women that tell me like, Oh, I don't think I've ever used my core properly. I don't think I've ever gotten my glutes to fire. Like, and this is, some of this is on like a $25 a month membership, my online workout program that they're like, you know what? I did the assessments and I actually got my glutes to work just in the assessments. And they've gone to other PTs. They've gone to other trainers. They've gone to other people in person. And this is just a video that I have online, but it tells them in a different way. It makes them mechanically work because if you load, like, if you do a hip hinge and you load it in that specific way, you have no choice, but you, but to get your glutes to work. Yeah. So with that specifically, just help me understand this. What, what is it that you're doing differently to what another PT would do? Like, how did you, how did you figure out how to get folks to actually get their glutes to start firing? I think it comes in with, sometimes you've got to say things a little bit differently. And then also you, you need to load them in a different way. Mm-hmm. So just if you're going to do like a 90, 90, like bottoms up kettlebell hold, and you're going to walk across the room, you can side bend and get across the room, or you can think about being a strong cylinder and through your trunk and you can walk across the room. Mm. They're going to work different muscles. You're still going to get the task done. Mm -hmm. And a lot of us as athletes, as women who like to get things done, like we got this task. We're going to do it. We got this other task. We're going to do it. Check it off the box. We're used to just getting stuff done and we're mimicking how things look, how things look. Isn't always what it's, what it means. You can carry that weight bottoms up across the room. You can work one side or you can work the full cylinder. Have you thought about working the full cylinder until somebody told it said to work it? Right. Huh. And are there, are there specific issues that you find women in, in particular come to you with? Like, what are, what are our, what are our specific flaws? If, if I can say that word, like that, like what are the patterns that you see, I guess? In, in yeah. That? Yeah. Cause that's part of the reason why I started my online business is that there were so many patterns that I was frustrated that my information wasn't out there for people to know already. And so I've seen a lot of the same things over and over again, like you got, y'all should know this. And just being one PT, one practitioner in my like room that was the adjacent of a personal training gym, I can only see so many people. So I could only impact so many people and it annoyed me. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And so that's whenever 
bloomed mountain biking ladies my big my big facebook group the ride life which is my my business for online strength programming is that one we overuse our hip flexors a ton Mm -hmm. we don't use our our lower core muscles and our trunk very well we don't do enough pulling moves to help support our trunk as well so we end up with a lot of neck issues we don't know how to use our diaphragm within our trunk and core And so we stress a lot of our neck that way. And we're not expanding and contracting down through our abdominals because of stress, how we've been taught that we need to pull our stomach in for pretty much our entire lives, that we need to look better that way. And it makes us not breathe right, Hmm. which all of those things also limit how we use our glutes, how we find our balance. Because if you don't have your trunk and your core on, you're not going to use your glutes well. Right. There's been a lot of studies that show just a little bit of like a posterior tilt or where you tilt your pelvis backwards with your front abdominal muscles. If you do that and then you do a hip hinge or a bridge, then that helps to engage your glutes to fire with you. Right. But if you don't know how to do that and breathe at the same time, then we're probably not going to do it while we're running, while we're biking and while we're doing other things because we have to breathe. Hmm. So what types of things do you recommend for if, if someone's feeling like, okay, I might be in that category right now, not naming any names, but me, um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you recommend for someone who's like thinking, okay, maybe I'm not using my glutes right, but how do I make sure I'm breathing? It's so it goes back to, so a lot of, the core exercises that we're taught, I call them sexy exercises because they're the exercises that everybody sees, everybody wants to do, but nobody can do right. Mm-hmm. They're sexy to do. They're, you want to do them. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing a core exercise and you feel your hip flexors work, you're doing a core exercise, you feel your low back strain. If you're doing a core exercise and you feel your neck strain. Is that the right level for you? Right. Mm-hmm. I beg the differ. And so backing people up enough where they can actually use their core muscles because their body can say, oh, okay, I think I can, I think I can do that with these muscles versus I can't do that with these muscles. I'm going to use something else I can, I can, I know I can use to get the task done. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I found this might sound weird, but like I was a professional triathlete for 14 years, but it's not until I've taken up CrossFit recently, which probably does way too much of what you're calling sexy core exercises. (laughs) Like I'm sure that's all I'm doing, but, (laughs) but also like because cross, because of the gymnastics, like because we're doing pull-ups and Olympic lifting and all the other things, I feel like I've I've suddenly switched on to like what it actually means to be strong through my core because of like the multi-layered movements that I've been, yeah. you know, and it's really weird to have spent 14 years as a pro athlete, really doing core exercises that are like, and then because I'm only exercising kind of in a straight line <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. and then doing just certain core exercises that aren't that effective. Like, what would you recommend for endurance athletes. Like if I was to go back and kind of try to bridge that gap a little more, obviously I can't do CrossFit as part of my like Ironman training. I mean, I could, but I I don't think it's recommended. Um, what would you suggest? So a lot of, when it comes to core, what our core does most is it's a rotational movement or it's an anti-rotational movement. And so understanding those patterns 
So a payoff press in like a half kneeling. That's a great exercise. Doing any like chops, either up or down, like wood chops up or down and half kneeling. Those are fantastic as well because you use your you use your trunk in a rotational way. Mm-hmm. Um, doing even just like a curl up in an oblique fashion or straight fashion. Those are still good because you're resisting how your body is moving side to side. Mm-hmm. You're still getting that just general movement. Uh, single leg marching from your back where you're not using your hip flexors because we like to do like Russian twists where we hold our legs up. Well, if you feel your hip flexors working a lot with that, you might want to set your legs down. Interesting. So where can we find all these exercises? I didn't even know what all those are. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So actually with your, the summit that I was just, I just had with you, Mm -hmm. I made a five exercise guideline. And a lot of them include pulling and core exercises, balance included with that. I have that still made. It has a video that's linked to it where you can get a handout. I think there's a handout with it. I know there's a video with it for sure. Um, and I can send you that link that we can include in the podcast, maybe. Sure. Let's put it in the show notes. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. You, you run a program called the ride life for women, mountain bikers. Um, what all do you do through that program? Yeah. So I have a monthly membership that's more hands-off on me, but I'm available for questions. And we have a private Facebook group. It has in there a full body workout program called the climb crushers. And that goes over where you self strength test into your level. Mm-hmm. So you do a little assessment and then you're like, okay, I'm level one, I'm level two, I'm level three for upper body, lower body and core balance. There's also an endurance component of that, of different intervals. And there's another separate module of understanding endurance training. Cause I found a lot of the ladies who tend to float to me, they have never really done intervals before. They don't understand why they're doing zone two versus zone three versus going into zone four for different periods of time. They don't understand why. Mm-hmm. And for an online program, I can't just say do this interval, then this interval, then this interval for everybody that's out there. It needs to be more designed to what your goals are. Mm-hmm. You know that totally. like if you're going to do a longer distance thing versus short punchy climbs versus a longer climb, like you need to train differently for those. And so having them understand why they're doing different intervals helps them to design their calendar best for that. Right. I love that. You know, cause it's something that I observe even in like my life now as a casual CrossFitter, right. Is that for folks who have never done, like you said, if you've never done interval training before or never done that any kind of intense lactic threshold type training, then like their relationship with pain is also different too. So like, and that moment where, like, I know you talk about efficiency a lot where efficiency starts to break down and you're in pain and like being able to, like, I love that. I love the idea of explaining to someone why we're doing this training and, or what it's going to feel like, because if you don't know, you don't know. And you'll just like, pain is a signal that's telling you to stop. Right. Yeah. So like, why would someone automatically keep going through a four minute interval or whatever? That's like super painful. Unless you tell them this, these are the outcomes we're looking for. Right. Yep, totally. And having them, because a lot of these ladies that also join, they don't have extra time to do a separate interval training, but here's how to apply to your own trails Mm. and to morph it. It won't be perfect. It won't, if you're wanting really good outcomes, you need to do it on a trainer. You need to do it on the road. Like you need your set areas, but 
if you want to morph it to when you're on the trail to help you to increase doing that, this is how to do that. Yeah. And so I know you talk about efficiency a lot too. Like how mm-hmm. do you, how do you coach that? I think it's a, a lot of how my videos are on my $25 a month program is that I make you learn to listen to your body. Mm. So as I've talked about a lot, we are very good at getting the task done, mm-hmm. but not knowing how we actually do it. Right. Like if you asked me to make a recipe of what I cooked for dinner last night, I would be like, well, I don't know. Cause I just got it done. Right. But I need to write the recipe for it. Mm-hmm. And so the same thing goes for us with training. As you do different exercises, I tell you, I don't want you to feel it in these spots. I do want you to feel it in these spots. And so you're kind of reflecting into yourself. It's not just a, a workout video that you follow along and you that you mimic. No, the video that goes along with it is how the hell to actually do the exercises correctly. This is where you need to be feeling it. If you don't try this, this, or this. I love that. Like, just like, here's the types of pain and discomfort you might feel or should feel. And here are the things where your muscles working. Yeah. If you feel a soreness here, then you're doing it right. Stabbing pain in your knee. No. (laughs) Yeah. That's not what we want. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I think so many people could benefit from that. Right. Because it's like the, an exercise program can be uncomfortable. Right. But like, we need to know what ways it's supposed to be uncomfortable and which ways it's not. Yeah. And also that not everything is supposed to be that uncomfortable. <laughs> True, that it, it should be fun. That it, it can be working and you actually feel better as you do it. Cause a lot of the exercises are, are tools. So if you do a shoulder retraction or like use your shoulder blades to help with doing rows versus just bicep curling them and, or using like kind of your neck muscles, then it'll actually support your neck and your neck will feel better afterwards than when it did before you did the exercise. Mm. I love that. Okay. So why actually this, this question came from our producer, Carrie, she was wondering like what the cost is of not being efficient. Oh, I think that everybody can know the cost of not being efficient. One, we get tired a little bit quicker. We don't have as good of outcomes when it comes to our, our climbing. We've worked hard on something to better our bodies, but we're not seeing the outcomes with it. And then two, it's usually makes us have overuse injuries Mm. because we don't balance our body well enough. Mm -hmm. And that can also mean like, so I was talking to my husband and my brother-in-law this morning, we were just talking about different sports and which ones would be pretty good on your body as a whole. And they were like, surfing's pretty good on your body. That's, that's a pretty well-rounded sport. I'm like, yes, until we look at your shoulders, because you're not able to rotate your trunk as much whenever you're paddling out and trying to paddle on different ways. And so balancing what you do in a sport with another workout program or with another sport is important. Mm-hmm. That can help you with your, with your efficiencies of movement. Yeah. What, um, what sport was the, what did it, what was the conversation about? What sport was it best for the body? <laughs> Surfing. <laughs> we were just talking about different ones because <laughs> whitewater kayaking is really hard on your body. Right. And if you go off different waterfalls and you land, you know, you're sitting on your butt, you know, <laughs> whenever you're landing, it's hard on your back, you know? Yeah. yeah. And so we were just talking about that and other professional athletes and their, their different sports of choice and how people can last like their length of 
Oh, lasting in different sports as a pro athlete. Right. So what, what sports were coming besides surfing? What was, what comes out on top in your opinion? Those (laughs) longevity sports, like swimming, maybe swimming is pretty good. It's hard on shoulders too. Mm -hmm. Um, just for sheer amount of force that we're making a rotator cuff do Yeah, it's not meant to do all of that all the time. Yeah. Oh man. I don't know. I think cycling's probably a good one. I was going to say, I was like, cycling is pretty good. You know, especially if, especially mountain biking, because you're up and out of the saddle. Right. That's one thing I love about it is that you're not pinned into a certain position is that you're up and out of the saddle. You're not too far forward. A lot of the bikes open you up now because they're more aggressive for downhill. Yeah. Especially if you're more like a trail style. And if you're okay, so for the women in our audience who haven't, who might think that they want to take up mountain biking or a little bit hesitant or, or chicken shit like me, um, what, (laughs) what do you recommend for, for that us in terms of, um, how we start mountain biking? Just go out for some gravel rides. Mm. Yeah. Gravel's a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. Just go for some gravel rides. Yeah. A lot of mountain biking is the people you go with, uh-huh. you know, it's a lot of fun as far as like just getting out there and getting some, some other fitness things with that. But it, it definitely has a little bit of a lifestyle component with it is that it, you have a social atmosphere. And then as you start going on the gravel, then usually there's at least one in the group that are like, Hey, why don't you come try this trail? And then all of a sudden you end up on a trail with somebody who supports you. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, maybe I want more of this because it's fun. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. I can remember I used to get so frustrated. Like I, one of the first times I mountain biked, this was, this is hilarious. I was living in Scotland at the time and I was kind of like borderline elite triathlete. So like I had a little bit of 20 something arrogance, you know, my first mountain bike ride, I just bought this mountain bike was like, my friend invited me with this guy who I later found out was like, one of the best mountain bikers in Scotland. <laughs> and we went on a five hour ride. Like we didn't Ooh. just go on a few trails. Let's show Sarah around. <laughs> it was like, I was like, I can do it. Let's go. You know, <laughs> like, of course. And there I was. Yeah. And these, on these Scottish Hills looking down these embankments going, no. <laughs> and those poor guys had to wait for me a lot. So <laughs> that, maybe that was part of the problem with my mountain biking career. Probably so. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay. I'm wondering, like you say, you coach, actually, I find this very um, interesting, like using balance, maneuvering and power. And I'm wondering, like, how do you fit all of those things into a traditional training program? Or what is it? What does your coaching program look like? And how is it different to, to what other programs might be? So along with the $25 a month program, I do one-on-one where I make your training program. Mm-hmm. And we meet via Zoom monthly and have a phone call. Within all of those, as you become more balanced through different exercises and through different intervals, your skills will improve just from the sheer ability of being able to be in what I call the hip hinge and what's known as the hip hinge, not just by me, because it gets you out of the saddle. It helps you with being in the saddle with confidence and control where you're able to move the bike underneath of you better. And so all of those help you with handling slower moves where you're in technical train 
It helps you with being able to go downhill with more confidence and also being able, one of my clients today, she said, I just feel like I'm attacking the hills a lot more confidently that I know I can make it up. And that's, and she, she just finished a race where this past weekend, she, they do a gravel race, but they have a lot of single track with it too. And so she's riding a gravel bike on single track. And she goes, I don't think I would have been able to do all of the technical broody rocky sections of the trail on my gravel bike if I hadn't felt more balanced from our exercises, from our workouts. And so that's how that plays a role into it. Because everybody thinks, oh, I just need to get better at my skills for mountain biking. Oh, you need to be able to hold your own within your strength. Also, the stronger you are, the more confident you're going to be able to take a fall. Unfortunately, falls happen in mountain biking. It's not common. I don't remember the last time I fell, but they, they do happen and your ability to withstand to have them not happen and to withstand so it doesn't become an injury is how strong you are. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I, <laughs> sorry. Can you correct? Yeah, right. Exactly. I'm just thinking I've, I've had very few mountain biking experiences, but one of them did include running into a tree <laughs> right before hitting the parking lot, like bruised all down my back. And, and like, I don't know if I, I haven't mountain biked maybe since then. <laughs> <laughs> so that was the beginning and end of my mountain biking career. Um, I'm wondering, you know, you're talking a lot about core balance, strength, confidence. Do you find that the work that you do through your coaching translates into the everyday lives of the people and the women you're working with? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. What do you notice? I mean, you, you gain confidence on the bike, you gain confidence in your body mm-hmm. and for doing other different aspects of it in life, social aspects, all of that stuff. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, if somebody asks, asks you to go on a group ride and you're not sure of yourself, you're going to say yes. Maybe, maybe not. Depends on how many people pester you to come. Yeah. Yeah. When you cool. should mm-hmm. a lot of times because they yeah. ask you to come anyways. And it's fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, all right. Well, thanks, Liz. Um, how do people find you? How do we find your online program? Um, if you go to theridelife.com, they can find different online programs that I have there. And then also I run a big Facebook group called Mountain Biking Ladies. There's that. Mm-hmm. And, and it, that's open and it's free. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, I also have a YouTube channel that I'm starting to grow. It's called Liz's Ride Life. Nice. Yeah. And another podcast as well. Oh, wow. What's, what, uh, what's the podcast called? Or is that connected to the YouTube channel? Uh, they can be, they're connected, but it's the Ride Life. And then a colon or a dash mountain biking ladies, one of the two. Mm-hmm. Awesome. We'll connect the, all those in the show notes too. Um, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom. And uh, yeah, it's really been fun to learn about everything you're doing. Thanks, Sarah, for having me.
Building muscle can be tough and gains can be so slow, even for those of us who do a lot of strength training. As an ex-endurance athlete who is now in perimenopause, I know this all too well. It can be frustrating to put in the time in the gym and not see the results I'm looking for. That's why it's super important to take the right supplements at the right time. One of those supplements is essential amino acids, which are needed to trigger muscle protein synthesis. Muscle protein synthesis happens when you eat high quality protein like eggs or whey. And by supplementing with additional essential amino acids, you can make sure you are getting the full benefit of your training sessions. Targeted essential amino acid formulas can be up to four times more effective than just eating protein. I've been taking amino acids for almost a year and in combination with eating quality protein and a couple other supplements, I have managed to turn the tides on age-related muscle loss, which starts at 30 for women, by the way, and I have continued to make strength gains as I head towards 50. AminoCo has been a longtime sponsor of Feisty Media and has supported all of our brands and podcasts over the years. I recommend starting with AminoCo Perform, and you can grab some at aminoco.com forward slash performance. If you enter the code performance, you will save 30% and receive a free gift if it is your first purchase. Give it a try and let me know how it goes. That's aminoco.com forward slash performance and use the code performance to save 30%. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template and your training plan should not be either. Prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule, how much you can train each week, your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. But as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code FEISTY, F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose.